doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Here's a little bonus for you. In case you missed it, last Monday night on YouTube, fellow podcaster Josh Parsons from the Hide and Seek Archives podcast had an idea to get several podcasters together and talk about some of the cool events that we have coming up and share some of the experiences we've had as podcasters in the the paranormal field. I took the audio from that YouTube cleaned it up a little bit, and put it together as a bonus for you guys. All told, there was Josh from Hide and Seek Archives, myself, Justin and Jay from the Cryptids of the Corn podcast, and Joe and Jen Shortridge from 222 Paranormal Podcast. This was a neat little way for you guys to preview some additional podcasts in the realm of the paranormal. These guys all have great shows in their own right, and yet we all differ considerably in our approach. I hope you guys enjoy it, and if you would, please make sure you head over to all of tonight's respective podcasts and show them some love by giving them some likes and subscribing. Now sit back and enjoy. I'm glad you, you, all you guys could make it. Um, yeah. We're happy to be here. So, mm-hmm. so uh, one of the subjects uh, I'd like to discuss is uh, Bigfoot and Brews, which I'm looking forward to going to, um, uh, which is being hosted by Eric here. <laughs> um, so what can you tell us about it, Eric? Well, uh, this has kind of been like a, almost a full year in development, and uh, I, was kind of, um, I was kind of pushed to do this. And, and at first I was pretty resistant in it because uh, I don't like being told what to do. 
Um, but then <laughs> the the longer I thought about it, I, I started to see that there was a, a valid a valid reason to do it. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's primarily it's going to be a, a small, um, and when I say small, 200 to 225 people, uh, probably max. Uh, but the environment's going to be completely different than what I think a lot of people are used to when they go to a, a Bigfoot conference. And this is going to be at a brewery. Um, so it's going to be a little bit more of an intimate, uh, even though it sounds like 200 people are a lot, um, the vendors, the, uh, the paying attendees, everybody is going to be within the same area that the speakers are going to be speaking. So you're not going to be isolated from being able to hear the speakers talk just because you're a vendor and, you know, no disrespect to anybody, the way they, they handle those types of conferences. Um, but I think that's, what's going to make us unique. Um, they're going to have a full, uh, a full, they're going to be working on serving their full menu to us. Uh, actually, I think what we're going to do is take their menu and create some cryptid, uh, based names for their, their current foods that they have. So make it a little more exciting, uh, a little more in, in tow with, uh, the subject of the day. But the really interesting thing about it is where it's located is Dwajak, Michigan, and uh, Sister Lakes Brewing Company is the site of the of the conference, and Sister Lakes uh, is is part of the encompassing area that Dewey Lake belongs to. And if all of us, I'm sure all of us have heard of the Dewey Lake Monster, which came into prominence in 1964 into Wajack, Michigan, uh, mere minutes away from where this conference is going to be located, and. Uh, it was an entire summer's worth of sightings of the Dewey Lake monster. And, and per description, um, it is very much in line with what we've all come to expect as far as a, a description of a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch. Um, so, I mean, it, it kind of all ties together, you know, I mean, we're, we're doing it in honor of the Dewey Lake monster in recognition of the Dewey Lake monster, but it's going to be a, a, a full day of Bigfootery. Um, we're going to have Ron Moorhead as the, the head speaker, super excited about that. I've met him, uh, back at West branch, uh, a year and a half ago, phenomenal guy, just super, you couldn't ask for a nicer gentleman to talk to, um, very accommodating. We're also going to have, uh, Michigan researchers, uh, uh, James lady who, uh, Coincidentally, also does a lot of audio work as far as his Bigfoot investi investigations go. The difference between what he gets and what Ron Moorhead got in the Sierra sounds are night and day difference. And when I listen, when I listen to the stuff that James Lady gets, um, I want to start thinking is something a little more in lines with. Um, I hate to say demonic or, or, or evil spirits, but some of the stuff that he gets is just really, really, man, it's, it's kind of bizarre, you know? And I don't know if the, it's an artifact to the, the equipment that he uses to, to filter down, to get the, the noises, um, to bring them out. I mean, um, but really, really interesting stuff. And he does have a couple that, uh, he played them for me. Uh, I was in the presence of uh, Susan Moore, who is a Native American witch that I interviewed early on in my uh, season. 
and I had her listen to it because to me it had very, very much sounded like Native American tones, you know, like Native American uh, language. And she listened to it and she's like, yeah, it, it really does. But I can't make out any words that would be recognizable, but it did have uh, the cadence and, and the tone that uh, Native American tongue would have. So, um, so we've got him, we've got Val Zalvala, which we all know um, is a uh, pretty much a data miner. He is uh, constantly collecting uh, reports and everything of, of Bif- Bigfoot sightings, uh, mostly in uh, Michigan, but uh, he has them from literally all over the, the U.S. And then I guess the, the biggest thing for me is uh, my second and third episode, which was a two-parter called Opening Day. Um, the gentleman who is the subject of that uh, Bigfoot experience, he's going to be making his first public speaking appearance anywhere. Um, so far, uh, he has only been known as John, like John Doe, um, from my show. Not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if he's decided to actually go ahead and use his real name. Um, it is relatively close to his hometown. So the chances of several people being there that would know him is pretty high, pretty strong. Um, so I'm guessing that he's going to, uh, just come out and, and, and tell people who he really is and and what his profession is. Um, but that's, that's, uh, it's really important because his sighting took place maybe 20 minutes away from the site that that the the brewery is at now where the Dewey Lake monster happened back in 64 um but through through subsequent conversations throughout the past year and a half um the swamp system where he had his where it walked out in front of him and his his dad his brother-in-law and his uh, family friend um the swamp system actually extends all the way over to the sister lakes area. It is, it is a, uh, interwoven connectivity of, uh, of swamplands. And so, I mean, it, it kind of draws a lot of legitimacy to both his sighting and, and the reported sightings from 1964. Um, and then if you continue to travel east across the state, uh, you pretty much run dead smack into Monroe County over on the east side. And Monroe was the Monroe monster from 1965, just a few short months after the experiences there in uh, at Dewey Lake in, in the summer of 64. So I think, I think everything kind of ties together. Um, long story short, or long story long, uh, everybody looks like they're falling asleep on me, but, uh, just super excited to, to finally get my, my feet into this. Um, it wasn't something that I was like always looking to do, but it kind of ended up feeling like a natural progression, especially with me living, uh, the majority of my life, you know, maybe 25 minutes away from that area anyway. And, uh, so we're super excited about it. September 10th, you can go to bigfootandbrews.com. And all the information is there. You can sign up to be a vendor if you like. You can purchase your tickets, which are on sale now and going fast. So I would suggest 
uh, not waiting on it. Go ahead and get your tickets. And then uh, there's also a sponsor uh, area on there in the in the tickets. You can click on sponsorship if you'd like to help uh, make this even bigger and better than it's going to be right now. So September September 10th, it's going to be an all-day thing. Uh, we're going to be we're really pushing to get people in seats at 11, uh, 11 Eastern. And uh, we're, we're planning on going at least until five, possibly six. And if, if the day just continues to <coughs> continue, <coughs> excuse me, continues to go well, the brewery said we can, uh, we can continue to hang out and do our thing uh, until closing. So, mm-hmm. So awesome. it's something that I'm excited about that's coming up here uh, very shortly at the end of the month is Josh's uh, Michigan Bigfoot Conference on the 30th of July in Chelsea, Michigan. So, Josh, why don't you tell us what's going on there? Oh, well, we've got uh, got a lot happening. So <laughs> we're, we're having about seven speakers coming. Um, we've got Val. He's coming as uh, we've got any uh, uh, Irish, uh, Lyle Blackburn, and then we have uh, Russell Accord. Uh, he'll be there. He'll actually be driving there, so he'll be bringing his truck. <laughs> and then uh, we'll uh, we're gonna have. Uh, well, we've already sold out of the VIP tickets, so we're, we're, we we were having a VIP dinner. We still are, and uh, they'll sold out quick. Um, you got Robert and then Kreider. We're gonna... You got Robert Kreider as well, don't you? Yep, Robert Kreider's coming too. Yep, he'll be there as well. Definitely can't forget him. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll be having a whooping contest. Uh, that's going to be judged by the the speakers. I'm entering. <laughs> I'm entering. You're going to have to compete with Justin. That's cool. That's cool. I'm up for it. So we'll, we'll have a sign-up sheet for that. Um, and then, uh, of course, we'll have all the vendors. Uh, we'll have uh, XLU guys. Uh, we'll have Cryptos of the Corn. We'll have 2-2 Paranormal. We'll have uh, Eric with Uncomfortable. And then uh, we'll have Cryptid Creatures. They'll be there. Uh, and then we'll have uh, several other vendors that are going to be there. Uh, and we, we're still uh, we're still got people signing up, so um, it's 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 growing. You're going to have Wildering Wildflowers there as well, Ooh. who I hear makes some incredibly unique Bigfoot candles. <laughs> no, I can't. I yep. can't tell you how I know about that. I mean, it's not like it's my daughter or anything. What, but what do, they, what do they smell like? Uh, well, actually, uh, there's going to be a, a wide variety of smells, a wide variety of odors, I should say. Um, I did encourage her to uh, to make one that didn't smell so good, and uh, that uh, she was going to name that one the Skunk Ape. So uh, I said, you know, That'll you're probably cool. going to you're probably going to sell a bunch of those yeah. because oh, yeah. people are going to want it for the, uh, the mm-hmm. laugh factor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That'll be really neat. Now, we're all vendors for you, and I know you and the Cryptids of the Corn crew, they're going to be vending at mine. Jen, Joe, are you guys, uh, I, I thought I saw a post where you guys were talking about possibly a road trip to uh, 
To ours? Throwing you under the bus. To what? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Cut. Did, did I cut out? Yeah, yeah you I, cut out. I, I, you can't hear me. If our calendar's free, we yeah. get the wagon and we'll come. Well, we'd love to have you. Absolutely yeah. love to have you. Yeah, I remember when we were, when I noticed that you had it going on, we looked at our schedule and there was something going on that day, but I don't know if it canceled or not, but we'll have to check. Well, by all means, if you have the free time, we'd love to have you out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Um, but yeah, it, the, the conference is July 30th. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's starting at 9 and ending at 11. Wow. Yep. That's all day. Yeah, it's a long one. Um, so it's going to be an all day thing. So uh, we are looking for sponsors. Uh, more sponsors, and then we're uh, boy, we are selling tickets quick, uh, very fast. So uh, now would be a good time to to get it before <laughs> before we sell out. Uh, the VIP is already sold out, like I said. So now all that's left are the general tickets, and then uh, of course you can uh, you can uh, pay at the door as well. Um, we can always fit you in at the door. <laughs> right. No guarantee of a seat, but we'll fit well, you good. in. Yeah, we'll fit right. you in. It's going to be a lot of great speakers and vendors there, so it's a great opportunity for people to meet and greet people and talk about Bigfoot and not be Absolutely. afraid. You know, to you know, every time you go to a convention, you always hear people. I've never said this before. Well, they can say it at this convention. We're we're a bunch of weirdos too. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know that's that's interesting <laughs> you say that because. Um, you know, my son was with me when we did last year's Michigan Bigfoot conference and, you know, he'll, he'll talk about that kind of stuff freely with me, but not so much with just anybody. And, and I noticed throughout the day and that I kept looking over at him and, and he pretty much had a smile on his face the entire time we were there. And I I noticed it again when we were at the Ohio Bigfoot conference with these yahoos up here in the uh, Mm -hmm. middle, in the middle screen, um, and, and I asked him about it, and he's like, you know, this is the first time that I've ever just been around a bunch of other like-minded weirdos who, you know, talking about this kind of stuff is just like talking about what color car you have. You know, it, it, there's there's no weird looks, there's no uh, there's no judgments. There's it's just you're you're in a comfortable you're in a comfortable space. So. And you don't have to break down that awkward barrier of like. Hmm, I wonder what they think about Bigfoot right. yeah, when you're approaching someone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, I mean, you, you make a great point because, you know, most most trolls, most people that are looking to make fun of people about this kind of stuff aren't going to spend $35, $45, $50 to go into a place and then just start right. targeting people and making fun of them. You're mm-hmm. going there because you have an interest in the subject and, yeah. and you want to see what's, mm-hmm. what's going on, whether you're mm-hmm. just getting into it or you're or you're a full-fledged, uh, you know, boots-on-the-ground investigator, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's it is a good place uh, for people to open up and talk to other people who are really into the subject. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's one thing I emphasize a lot about the conferences. Uh, you know, you got some people thinking they're money makers. Well, I'm here to tell you, they're not. <laughs> Nobody's, getting getting rich. Nobody's getting rich. They will that. burn holes in your pocket. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's because we do it for the love of the yeah. of the unknown. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do it because you know there are people out there who who are afraid to come forward because uh, they're afraid of being ridiculed, mm -hmm. and and this is a place they can come and open up and 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 just tell their story, mm -hmm. and and of course all of all of us will be there to listen. That's right, absolutely. Put <laughs> yeah. it on tape, whether you yeah, want to keep exactly. your names out of it or not. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah. The group of people you see on the screen right now will shove a microphone in your face. Yes. <laughs> Aggressively. Aggressively. Always. Yeah. Slightly start sliding Thank across you the table. The microphone. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, there's other places where people talk about Bigfoot. Me and Jen had a garage sale here at the studio. And... We were set up in the, the driveway over on the side here, and this guy come up and saw that we had some paranormal and Bigfoot stuff out, and he actually told us a story about right out of Lambertville, Michigan, which is a little city now, and he in said that, yeah, in the 70s, and he says where the fire station is now, he was standing there with a buddy, and he saw a Bigfoot. And his buddy completely froze to where he couldn't move him. He saw the Bigfoot, ran away, noticed that his buddy didn't come with him, went back, and he said he, he literally had to punch his friend to wake him up because his friend was just standing there. So hmm. you could even have a garage sale and people come and talk about Bigfoot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We, we just had yeah. a lady. We just had a lady. We were on the Hocking River kayaking. And I have a big straw hat that's got Bigfoot all over it. <laughs> and sh she came up and she's like, do you guys, do you guys really believe in all that Bigfoot stuff? Like kind of mockingly. Condescending. And then we're like, yeah. <laughs> well, then we're like, yeah, uh, we do. And we kind of talked to her for a minute. She's like, well, I had something happen to me. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it, and she's actually going to be on the show. And I think this month. Mm -hmm. So she had a pretty cool story that's coming out. But yeah, it's like, it's weird where you can. Get, but the conferences are the easiest place to get that yes. amazing conversation yeah. where mm -hmm. you get rid of that that window of uh, just of worriedness about these people aren't going to believe you like you guys said and everything. It's mm -hmm. that's why I love it. It's just amazing conversation all day. Yep. You know, and I've been going to conferences my whole life. You know, my dad being a researcher in Texas and me being born into the subject. Um, I was uh, constantly going to conferences, and then you got people who aren't, you know, on the internet or, or you know, they're not, they're not all into the technology. So you know, you'll get older couples that that come there and like, yeah, we heard about this conference with word of mouth, and they go there and their stories is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was this couple. Uh, Ten years ago, who said the, that she feeds them right out of her back porch? She'll they'll come and eat, and she took a picture of one, and it pissed it off. Yeah, and, and knew exactly what she had done. So she, so it started terrorizing her until she deleted it. And I don't know how she, how it knew she deleted it, huh. but the story itself was pretty amazing. Dang. Um, you know, and, and you know, you get to hear cool stories like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you guys, uh, you guys tend to be a little bit more on the paranormal, the ghosts, the the hauntings, uh, stuff like that. And you know, I mean, when you start talking about these types of subjects, uh, anything that falls under the umbrella of paranormal or or cryptid, um, 
you know, the story is the same all the way across the board. You know, people don't want to talk about ghosts. You know, they're, they're afraid people are going to roll their eyes. And, you know, it's just, it, it's a shame that people have to be that way. You know, I've always been very open to, and maybe that's why I've had so many experiences throughout my life is because I've never closed myself off to it. I've always been open to experiencing uh, whatever, you know. Um, well, there's a couple of things I have not experienced and don't want to experience. Uh, so let's not carry it too far. But, um, <laughs> you know, as far as the paranormal goes, um, you know, I, when I, I've said this before on my show, if I sat down and talked about all of the things that I've had happen to me in my life, y'all would think I was a freaking whack job, you know? And, but the truth of the matter is I've, I've had experiences in, in a number of different things. And this is, this is one of those kind of places where you don't have to worry about talking about that stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a great environment. And, you know, last year, uh, last year at the, uh, Michigan Bigfoot conference for the first year. And then again at Ohio, uh, earlier this year, back in April, um, man, I, I don't know that I can remember seeing a single solitary sour face in the, in the, the whole mix of, of all the people, you know, everybody was just positive and they, they wanted to talk about stuff and they were interested in finding out about things. And it's an amazing thing. Yeah. You know, you talk about you talk about people that are surprised to, and shocked when they come into the conferences. And why don't you tell them about Brian and his reaction when he found out what was going on there? Which one? Brian Vanderark at the Michigan Bigfoot Conference last year. Oh yeah, so last year when we were at the Michigan Bigfoot Conference, one of my all-time favorite stairs just happened to walk by. He was doing a gig and the thing at the hotel that we were at. And he walked by and he's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, we're having a Bigfoot Conference. He's like, a what <laughs> <laughs> A Bigfoot Conference, we're talking about Bigfoot. And he's like, Oh, okay. And then after he went and did his gig in Ann Arbor, he came back and hung out with all of us and bought everybody drinks all night long. It was so much fun. Oh, that's awesome. It was like a total like fangirl rock star moment, right? Oh, he couldn't believe that's why you he couldn't believe went. that everybody got together and talked about Bigfoot. We're like, yeah. That's yeah. why that's why you guys wouldn't come over and have drinks with me because you had somebody <laughs> over there that was buying drinks for you. <laughs> yeah, hope you drink with whoever picks up the tab. That's what yeah. you do. When, when you're one of your favorite, favorite singers from the 90s, because I'm from the 90s, born in the 70s, but I wrote, you know, partied in the 90s. Yep. <laughs> you let buy a drink, right? Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe what, what decade were you born in? Um, I was born in 1925, and uh, <laughs> you look good. No, you I was born. Good. I was born in the late 60s. So, damn, I'm the oldest one here. God, damn it! <laughs> you're, you're only as old as you act. Now I feel bad about myself. <laughs> you, you admitted that nobody asked. Right. <laughs> you know what? The great thing about going to a conference is even Joe and I, every time we go to a conference, we learn something new. We meet mm -hmm. a new connection. 
patterns, right? Mm-hmm. You can go and you're like, everybody's going to talk about the footprints and the hair and this, that, and the other. But, you know, we've gotten some really great um, discussions going on about different types of things, theories, and, um, you know, like the one conference, we interviewed the people that were primatologists. And Eric, I'm not sure if you talked to them at that, that conference as well, but they were using their they're actual scientists, um, you know, their knowledge of being primatologists, and then they were moving into studying Bigfoot from that, that um, uh, you know, school of thought. Yeah. So, you know, it's like every time we go, don't ever say you know it all because you don't. You always oh, no. a conference. <laughs> no. Well, you know, I think that's one of the great things about what we do. Mm-hmm. is not only are we putting pieces of the puzzle together for ourselves by talking to as many people as we do about some of these different subjects, but I think we, uh, I think <laughs> through the course of our interviews and through specific questions that we ask, sometimes we uncover things that the people that are telling us their accounts didn't even realize, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dying over here. Uh, yeah, don't get So <laughs> only from her. Only from her. <laughs> I was going to volunteer. No, <laughs> rather die. <laughs> oh man. You know me. Me being me being a researcher. You know that it's another. It's another way for doors to open up for me to for to research new areas. You know, I've had people come up to me and and ask if I'd check areas out, and it's been kind of a blessing in my eyes because, you know, I was always in Texas. It was always one area. It was always Sam Houston or the uh, Big Thicket, and um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of opened up. You know, areas in different states. I've been able to be on a, a few documentaries, which has been amazing. Um, you know, and it's just been mostly through conferences. You know, meeting other people and and uh, and people. It, it, it kind of adds up to people coming up to the conference who aren't comfortable talking to other people, but then they get to know you and they're like, "Hey, come out!" And I need you to check this out. You know, and you know, me and like I said, me being a researcher really opens up doors. Sure. And, you know, uh, I'm not a researcher, and, and I still find that uh, similar doors are being opened for myself, and I'm sure the rest of you, uh, you know, Justin, yeah. I was I was watching your uh, coffee with uh, the cryptids this morning, and you're getting uh, you're getting packages from listeners with, uh, you mm-hmm. know, adorning yep. gifts and, and baked goods, you know, for God's sake. So, uh, yeah, I know, right? Joe, so why aren't we getting gifts? Like, we need snacks. You know, we love, <laughs> we love chips. We love nachos, say, and we're trying to get like ten pounds of chocolate chip cookies. Oh, oh. I'm coming over. Go ahead. <laughs> we just found out we're like forty minutes away. Yeah, right. I, know. <laughs> I can be there in thirty. I got a Volkswagen. There we go. <laughs> our our niece owns a bakery, and she does, let's say, cookies that are shaped in a certain way. And maybe I'll have her make up some Bigfoot cookies for the show. I'll bring them to the show, but they won't be in the shape of feet. So what? What? <laughs> <laughs> They're adult only contact. Cookies. That's what I was thinking. 
<laughs> Another Bigfoot appendage? Chocolate yes. Chip penis yes. <laughs> Joe likes to bite them all. Oh, oh no. Uh-oh. Joe. <laughs> he, no, he just likes to taste them. No. It's devolved fast. <laughs> Have any of you had any um, strange experiences during your podcast? Like, yes. odd things happen. Like, I'm waiting for, like, my shadow figure to walk behind me here because, you know. I, I it's all Eric's fault for our show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Eric caused a bunch, bunch of problems for me one day. Yeah. What? What happened? So we were in the process of moving. So literally we had our studio, like, mostly tore apart. But we did the Dewey Creek episode with Eric uh, mm-hmm. to help promote Bigfoot and Brews. And that was like a three-hour episode for us. But like two hours in. I talk we, a lot. He, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> but uh, he got us on. He didn't realize. I don't normally, especially in that part, I didn't talk about ghosts. I've had weird encounters with ghosts, shadow people. That's why I don't generally like it. And there was something in that apartment. So I didn't like talking about it because mm-hmm. it seemed like every time we talked about it, it got more uh, ambitious. Okay. And so Eric got us onto it. And then me and Jay heard something fall in the living room. Just it sounded like, it sounded like a wall fell in their, in their studio. Oh, that was yeah. second. That's that was, the second thing. Yeah. Oh, cause then in the closet, in the podcast studio, all hell broke loose. Cause the ceiling fell in yeah. oh, the entire drop ceiling. And then we kept hearing stuff like growling in the headphones. Huh? That's weird. That and so odd. we we took a little break, and I I forbid Eric from talking about it, and then <laughs> it went back to normal. And I encouraged him though. He's he, he initially he said I'm I gotta edit this out, and I was like, no, do not. That is everybody radio loved it. gold, man. You everybody gotta leave that it. in. So uh, anybody on here that wants to hear that, it's on the Dewey Creek episode with Eric on our show. All right. Uh, but yeah, literally like a a three by four foot chunk of ceiling fell in. Wow, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've had I've had multiple um, multiple things throughout uh, the course of my interviews. Um, I had one uh, fairly early on, maybe in the first third of my my first season. I was talking to a, a, a lovely girl from uh, Texas, and uh, we had she had a lot of experiences to to get through. And uh, all pretty much spiritual ghost ghost type encounters, and uh, we got to a certain point where she started to tell me about when she was in the military and service over in Korea, and this was this was the middle of summer. It was perfectly blue sky, not a cloud to be seen. Beautiful day, no weather whatsoever, no wind, and all of a sudden I lose power. And then the power comes back on and we continue the conversation. And from that point on, uh, the next 35, 40 minutes till we ended the, the conversation, um, that entire portion of my, my interview was corrupt. It was, it was, it showed that it was there, but it was, you know, it was, it was gone, not retrievable. So I, I reached out and I, I told her, you know, I hate to say this, but you know, that, that last portion, could we possibly reschedule and then, you know, start from that point again and, and finish up. 
And she was really nice about it. She says, yep, no problem. So I think it was the next weekend uh, we started doing it again. And I had her start with the, the experience beforehand, before she started talking about the Korea thing, just so I could splice it together so it would sound seamless. And as soon as she got to the part about her being in Korea and the spirit that kept um, messing with her while she was in her bunk, we started having all kinds of phone problems. We were dropping calls. I would call her and it wouldn't even ring. She would call me. I'd answer it, but she couldn't hear me. And this went on and on for like, I I think if I remember right, um, in total between me calling her back and her calling me back, there were 12 attempts before we were actually able to get back to um, talking about the, the encounter. And it was just, it was bizarre. And uh, I actually, I named the, the episode third times a charm because it, it took us that many attempts for her to get through all of the uh, experiences. And uh, she's been a wonderful, uh, she was a wonderful guest and she's continued to be, um, always, you know, really vocal as far as new episodes and stuff. We have uh, a lot of conversations, uh, via messenger and, and text. Um, but then, uh, we had, I had this one show, um, and it was, it was, it was some like mischievous type haunting stuff that a girl was experiencing up around the, I think it was around the Traverse city area and stuff. And uh, she had been in a in a bad relationship. She just got out. She got herself a new apartment, and it was kind of, kind of. I mean, she sent me a picture of it, and I mean, it didn't look like it was a nasty place at all, but it just kind of had a creepy vibe to it. And the only entry and exit doors from each apartment faced a tree line, which I was like, eh, it was kind of creepy, you know. And it looked like it was, it looked like it was an old farmhouse that may have been added onto once or twice, and. Uh, she, you know, she told me your stories and I think the, the episode maybe went 40, 45 minutes and, uh, I got the editing done and I was, I was having a horrible time coming up with a name for the episode. I just could not, I, I couldn't come up with a name for it. You know, it just, there was, there was nothing. She didn't see a full apparition. Um, you know, there were, there were things that were getting moved, but it could have been possible that she misplaced them or moved them and didn't realize she did, you know? So it was like, it was all kind of weird stuff, but I could not for the life of me come up with a name for it. And, uh, late, late that evening, it, it hit me. I was just like this, it seems mischievous, you know, it just seems like somebody playing some pranks. So I called it mischievous in Michigan. So I had the, I had the episode edited. It was uploaded and, uh, two or three days later, I get a message sent to me, uh, a voice message sent to me, uh, via text from her. And she says, you know, at the end of our conversation, you asked me if there were any other things that I had go on. And she said, you know, at the time I didn't think there was. So, you know, we ended the conversation she says, but then I started thinking about it and I remembered this thing that happened when I was a young kid. And I said, oh, well, you know, and, uh, so she, she says, I want to relate this story to you. So I'm listening to this audio and she said, when she was a young girl, her parents owned a piece of property and they would, they would get in like on a Sunday afternoon, they would get in the pickup truck. She would sit in the middle 
her mom would sit on the passenger side and dad would be on the driver's side and they'd just go drive through the property along the trees. She said that their dog was in the truck sitting in the mom's lap. And as they were traveling along the wood line, she said that a branch that had brushed up against the side of the truck, when it got to the open window, whipped in and lassoed the, the dog's collar and ripped it out of the, the truck window and, and killed it. You know, not, not like the tree came alive or anything, but, you know, this odd experience where this branch just kind of whipped in the window after being brushed up against the side of the truck and, you know, dispatches the dog. And she says at the end of, at the end of it, she goes, and my poor mischief was just laying there in the, on the side of the, the, the two track and the poor thing was dead. And I was like, mischief was the name of her dog. Oh my God. And I named the episode mischievous in Michigan. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. You know, so Synchronicity. Big yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. sure. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, there's probably three or four more I could go into, but I don't want to, monopolize the the stage here but yeah it, there is there is definitely uh, a, a thread of of strangeness that goes through various episodes what about you guys anybody i think one of the coolest things we had happen is uh we had the we did a story on the ohio river manta ray which was not an actual manta ray in the river oh. uh, the one seen buzzing uh, cars like it was uh, was an aerial creature seemed to be like it seemed to be de- doing deep sea creature like filter feeding motions on top of the Ohio River uh, buzzed a couple cars I believe it had eight witnesses and that was only in 06 yeah 06 so we did that story uh, and about a month later we got an email and this guy was just like you're the that's the first time I've ever heard this described he's seen the exact same creature in Kansas and he was all and he was all elated because he's never heard anything about it. He never said anything about it to anybody because he looked on the internet as far as he could find. It didn't exist. But there's just one little weird story. I think I, I just we have a weird Ohio book, you know, being Ohio folk and mm-hmm. and that's one of the coolest things I think I personally we've had a lot of Bigfoot stories turned in, but there's a, a mm-hmm. lot more Bigfoot stories than flying gelatinous manta rays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What about you, Jess? Anything weird happened when you were taping? Um, I can't say anything's happened to me while podcasting, but being out in the woods, I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things, you know, you hear the stories where people see orbs and lights and I always kind of oh. push it. I always kind of push it out to the side you know, thinking, yeah. <laughs> thinking, oh, you know, maybe a firefly or some kind of bug. But uh, after I did the 168 hours in Florida, um, that definitely changed my view and everything because I saw a lot of lights out there, hmm. a lot that I just could not explain what they were. Um, some hmm. moving so fast that you blink and they're gone. Hmm. It's... Uh, you know, you're talking about like big, and I, I ain't never seen a firefly that big. 
and and that that totally totally changed my view and the weird thing about it was every time we saw these it was always near power lines Mm -hmm. Hmm. always near power lines we could be way out in the middle of the woods because some of these like out in the everglades you got power lines going through everything i don't know how they do it half the time i don't know if they're getting on boats and just putting these poles on the ground i don't know how they do it but going through the middle of the swamp everything's growing through it and it's still out in the middle of nowhere you're seeing these lights Mm. And I just, you know, we even caught some on camera and we even slowed it down trying to figure out what in the heck these things were. I can't, I can't explain it. It, it just, you know, now, like I said, it totally changed my view on the whole orb thing. That's, that's interesting. That's one of those things that seems to span a, a good deal of high strangeness. You know, you get the, you get the lights, you get the orbs with, with Bigfoot you get lights and orbs with uh, um, investigating spiritual stuff. You get lights and orbs reported uh, with UFOs, you know, the, the, the Foo Fighters, for for example. You know, not the band, but the, the, uh, the phenomenon. You know, they were, they were relatively small. They weren't the size, they weren't nearly the size of the aircraft that were encountering them during the dogfights and stuff in the Europe, European theater. Um, it's just, it's one of those strange things. It really makes me think that it is definitely something that's energy related. And, and, you know, the more I, the more I, I talk to people and the, and the, the various topics that, that we discuss on my show anyway, um, I'm really starting to, to come to the realization that I think a lot of these things, if not all are, are in some way connected you know, and it's just, it, it's so odd. I know before I had my sighting at, uh, out in Allegan, um, we were seeing flashes of light, almost like lightning, but there were no storms. There, there was not a cloud in the sky. Mm. And there was a full moon and we kept seeing these flashes of light and we didn't know what they were coming from. And that, uh, that happened before I had my sighting. And, you know, I never made the connection until after Florida. Interdimensional bacteria. <laughs> well, you know, what you're saying is 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 so rings so true with so many other people's uh, accounts. You know, and I, <clears throat> my most recent episode aired today. Um, I actually talked to uh, you guys, Joe and Jen. You might know her, um, Archbishop Christina Rake, mm-hmm. out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, what an incredible woman. God, I just, I mean, we, I think we did two and a half hours and I could have done two and a half more with her. She was just an amazing guest and such a pleasant woman. Um, but you know, she, she's, a oddly enough, she's a Protestant Catholic archbishop and, but yet she, she does a lot of investigation into the paranormal and, we started talking about the the similarities of of all these things like what we were just talking about and you know like the knocks you know when you guys are when you guys are investigating uh haunted locations or or paranormal stuff going on in a in a in a dwelling you know knocks are a very common thing to hear on the wall or you know well 
why is it so common that people out in the woods are hearing knocks from Bigfoot? Everybody assumes that yet nobody has really seen or been able to document Bigfoot walking up to a tree with another large limb and just whacking it. What if, what if that noise, what if that knock, what if that knock is part of the manifestation of, of that being into our, our perception, our reality, you know, maybe that, maybe that knock is part of them entering our world. Mm -hmm. And think about it. Like you were saying, if the Bigfoot grabs a, a stick or even a big log and is hitting a tree, Lots of times when people are going out there and doing that, they're using baseball bats, which is a solid, hard exactly. thing. Yeah. What's the likelihood? And they're hitting a clean yeah. piece of wood. Yeah, what's the likelihood yeah. of finding a piece of branch in the woods that's going to resonate with that kind of a, a whack when you hit a tree with it? But you take a wood baseball bat or a, a custom-made knocker, not yours, Jen. <laughs> not knockers, <laughs> just knockers. knockers. Um, you know what's the likelihood of finding that? Don't I mean, if I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've tried to do it, and man, yeah. it's, it's extremely disappointing. You know, you, you don't get anything. Do you think even... it's like like a sonic boom, almost of them coming into this dimension around. Well, you know, I mean, I think Sonic Boom might be a, a little more than than what it is, but you know, there's, yeah, I mean, essentially the the same the same premise of it. You know, there's there's a, a build up of energy, a build up of energy, and then a, a a crack or a knock or a whack. You know, the like static electricity in your sheets in the middle of the night, right? Oh yeah. Now come on. <laughs> Why is it always got mine are satin, so I don't get that. Oh, <laughs> it's, almost, <laughs> it's almost like a lightning cracking through the air, burning the the atoms you know, in the yeah, air. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you know I mean, and and that's it's that's, sort of. I'm sorry. Oh well, I was gonna say it's sort of like the paranormal. We hear that all the time, where people will hear bang sounds in other rooms and stuff. And I've actually had someone that they were in a, they were doing an investigation. They heard a huge bang and it actually broke the girl's glasses and they held, she's like, wait a minute. And it actually broke her glasses. Wow. And I was saying, well, maybe that bang sound is a result of that energy pulse. Just like mm -hmm. Eric was saying, I, that totally makes sense to me now. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I never would have, I never would have come up with that correlation had I not been having the conversations that I've had, you know? So, and so I, I think it all goes back to, you know, it, it, not only does it create new, new puzzle pieces for us to fit into our puzzle, but you know, the people that we're talking to as well. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we yeah. one off kind of cryptids to where they seem almost like unwilling interdimensional travelers and like, uh, that find their way and get yeah, stuck they, here. Or something. They don't make biological sense for like what we're looking at for this biosphere, what we have on this planet. Mm -hmm. So it's like in those times they seem scared. They don't seem the best of health. I was just trying to think there was, Oh, the Mothman was an example. We, there, we did our Mothman final or finale. And there's a lot of the stories of Mothman that don't get talked about on the TV and stuff like that, where it just seemed scared and it seemed uh, weak. It just didn't seem like it belonged yeah. here. Malnutrition. And a lot of people, 
Yeah. And a lot of people reported uh, having almost like radiation type sickness uh, mm. results after they were close with it. it. How many stories did we have where they were within feet of it and they weren't scared of it and they walked, they both, both parties just walked away. Right. Nobody got hurt ever. You yeah. Know. Mm. But then those people would get sick later. And if you're talking about some scientists theorize it, if you are, if you do go interdimensional, if you do cross that plane, you're going to pick up a lot of background radiation. Mm-hmm. So whether it affects that creatures like that, or like it affects us is a different story, but there's a, there's a couple other cryptids that just make people sick and nobody really knows why. And it's like radiation poisoning type stuff. I think it's interesting that you bring that up because this was something I just, just spoke with Jody cook about was the, the one thing, you know, like when you talk about Bigfoot or Dogman or, or Mothman or, you know, the Van Meter or anything like that, you know, everybody's, everybody's quick to jump to interdimensional or um, these things are uh, a result of the, the fallen angels coming down to earth, mating with human women and, you know, creating the Nephilim. And these are the off breed uh, or offspring of, of the Nephilim. And, you know, nobody ever really talks about the fact that from 1942 to 1996, I believe there was over 1,050 different nuclear tests done in the U.S. 251 of them, I think, uh, were either within our atmosphere, in outer space, or under our waters. The rest were on land and all out west. So who's to say that with the amount of nuclear energy that we've we've produced in those blasts and the amount of radiation that we have put into our uh, into our world because of those. And, and that's just the U.S. That's not talking about any of the other powers, world powers that have nuclear. You know, who's to say that that has not affected a, a thinning of uh, some sort of veil or thinning of uh, uh, whatever it is that separates us from the, the other dimensions? And, you know, I mean, nobody ever talks about that. To Breaking me, the veil. To me, that yeah. that seems like a pretty potent thing right there, you know. Right. You know, maybe you and know. Who's to say us doing all of those experiments doesn't trigger something out in another galaxy universe as a, some kind of signal? Like we're sending this out, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to be curious of why all these this radiation and nuclear activity is happening in this part of the universe, and they want to come check it out, right? Yeah. So. Big red flag. It could be a big, just like you're saying, like a big broadcast signal. Yeah. Right. Like there's something going on over there. Yeah. Yep. These bozos are well, doing some shit they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of proof showing that once we started doing our nuclear tests, the UFO activity just skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially and, around um, nuclear installations. Good one. Yeah. And they actually shut down the nukes and also almost launched them one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I've heard, I've read stories about like uh, all of our planes kind of overlapping where our dimensions, where we are and wherever, wherever else is. It's kind of like a radio dial where we're mm-hmm. just tuned into the right frequency, but we're all here at the same time. Just everything's different, you know, just off a little bit. And these nuclear explosions, I, they were said, you know, affected things in those dimensions as well. It hurt things. It killed things in those dimensions as well. And, you know, it's, whether that's true or not, I don't know. Like we said earlier, you don't. Once you think you know something, 
you're in trouble. You don't, you don't really know. But some, if something like that, the reason why we're getting, you know, so many things that make their way here, is it weakening, you know, whatever uh, that veil is, that barrier we have between us? Are they coming through because of that? Or are they coming through because we're creating a threat now to other beings elsewhere, living elsewhere, you know? And they're, and they're making the way here to stop it or just to check in on us. Like, what are these guys doing with these bombs they're blowing off? I didn't know it was that many. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. 1,052, I think. There's a cool video on YouTube about um, nuclear testing, and it actually shows the, the country and the size of the bomb, and it's like a time lapse. It's, a, it's animated, but it's a time lapse and it shows the explosions and the sizes of them, and you you'll hmm. be shocked you'll be shocked at how many there are. I think the big guy's the czar, right? Oh yeah, czar bomba. The czar bomb. Yeah. Which actually was, they cut the yield in half or something like that when they blew it up because they didn't they thought that they might even crack the earth, and this <laughs> it was the biggest bomb ever exploded. Uh, real quick, I want to jump back to something that Jay said. Uh, I found it an interesting parallel where you talked about, you know, like tuning a radio. Um, well, if you pay attention to the beginning of my intro for my show, I've had people ask me, why do you do that radio static thing at the beginning? That just sounds kind of hokey. <laughs> and it's like, well, that that's intentional. I, I do that because I'm, I'm trying to elicit the, the tuning into uh, some of these these weird things that we talk about, you know, it's not so much just a a, a factor of being it's creepy because it's a untuned radio and static. It's it's trying to tune in to, you know, get a better understanding of what it is we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And who said the thing about underground bases? I heard it there for a second, a little mm-hmm. bit ago about the nuclear test stuff when we, st- especially in the forties. But we're really, I'm still in Mothman mind because we just did like seven and a half hours of Mothman. Yeah. Oh my God. So West Point Pleasant, West Virginia, when we started doing the Mothman stuff, we went down there. But uh, the Mothman wasn't the craziest thing happening at the time. There was <laughs> daily alien or UFO sightings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got so mundane that people were ignoring them. Could you <laughs> imagine seeing so many UFOs, these gray kind of orbs that you would see? And they like, oh, it's just another one. Uh Pretty much everybody in the county experienced poltergeist activity, books flying off the shelf, horrible mm-hmm. smells in the house, activities, doors slamming. Um, and then the men in black, there was all three types of the men in black in town. Uh, Mary Hayes, one of the big reporters with John Keel down there, got a visit by all three types in one day. You know, but, uh, they, but they think, so under the TNT ordinance plant, so there was already the TNT ordinance plant there that was producing all of our, all of the TNT and high weapons grade explosives for World War II. Uh, but there was 3,000 personnel employed there. But there's a, they had their own power station. They had their own power plant. But there's a good reasoning that there may have been an underground base under there doing tests because it was already heavily defensed. There was already a heavy military presence, so people weren't really looking. Any, you know, if you see 50 military trucks pull in, you're not, it's not, it's just another day. And then it seems like after or during is when all of this crazy, strange stuff started coming up around it. I mean, it was just crazy. And I think it really does have to do with like you guys were saying, like the, uh, the nuclear testing and stuff like that, the stuff they were playing around with, 
I think, especially like places like Port, Port, uh, Point Pleasant, it opened a hole. It, and stuff spilled out. And the Mothman was just an unfortunate, an unfortunate side effect, whatever we were doing there. But then like it invited the prying eyes of stuff like the men in black, the smiling man, all that stuff. It's just, it's so weird to me that how much of this stuff is all seems to be centered around kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, is, isn't it down in New Mexico now? Um, the, a, a wide amount of sightings of, uh, basically pterodactyls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have rope and Thunderbird, whatever you want to call them. They get kind of different names. Uh, you know, same stuff like the van meter monster. And is it, are they actually pterodactyls? Or are they stuff like, uh, we talked about today a little bit on one of the episodes we did where are these just out of place, uh, actual pterosaurs due to stuff we were doing, causing them to be burning or you need to see them for a minute. Right. Where they're kind of there, kind of that kind of deal. Or are they dinosaur ghosts? But pterosaurs are not dinosaurs. Mm. Oh. Pterosaurs are flying reptiles. (laughs) You never know. Jay does that on purpose. Anything could have mutated, you know, with all of that radiation going along. I mean, it could people to hallucinate and think they're seeing things. And, you know, like when you're too close to your... uh, uh, EMF or your uh, electrical power box, you know, yeah. have an effect on it as well. Well, and yeah. that brings up another interesting point, you know, with Jay's back there laughing. Eric, shut the hell up. <laughs> no, I was just laughing at me. I was going to say something me dumb. Mad. Um, <laughs> you know, you talk about the the electrical stuff and, and you know, EMF, everybody knows EMF can cause hallucinations it can cause oppressive feelings it can cause all these these weird things well when you start talking about some of these cryptids who are purportedly using infrasound as uh as a as a defense or as a an aggressive um warning against people in the area i start wondering if you know if if they're capable of using infrasound infrasound is a low frequency we are all we are all riding on frequencies. Everything about us is frequency, right? We we vibrate at a certain frequency. Other things around us vibrate at a certain frequency. If if infrasound can affect the vibrations, you know, like people say, Bigfoot cloaks, you know, and what if they're not cloaking? What if they're using a frequency to disrupt our visual interpretation of what we're seeing? And the reason I bring that up is because I spoke with uh, a, a woman. I'm not going to give her name because I'm really hoping to have her on my show um, and let her tell the story. But it, it leads me to believe that, you know, if, if they can effectively manipulate frequency and vibration, then possibly they're, they're altering our vision rather than altering their physical form. You know, it's just it's changing our perception of what we see. And I say that because part of her report is that the environment that she was in seemed to change. Mm. See, you saying that really brought something up. You know, had we had the opportunity to talk to a, uh, a ranger in Florida about Bigfoot sightings and stuff, and uh, he basically said he couldn't talk about the Bigfoot thing. But he did tell us there was any time they're called out to a sighting that uh, 
they would see this flash and their immediate reaction is thinking somebody took a picture of them and they would get out and nobody would be there. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and he said that's happened a few times. And, and now you saying that really kind of made me think of that and how strange that was. Maybe, you know, they're affecting what they see. Maybe it's right there. Mm-hmm. But in a flash, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bizarre stuff. Really I mean, is. it's it's sort of like the guy that we were talking to about how his friend was just frozen. And he said he was like in a trance. Maybe they are putting out infrasound where they can affect the body like that. I mean, we know that the military uses sound to disperse people or make mm-hmm. them sick send out yep. the brown you know the brown note we all know about that mm-hmm. it's like been there well anybody mm-hmm. anybody go online and, and google the uh the side effects of the havana syndrome from from the use of that uh infrasonic weapon over there in cuba on on our uh, uh what was it uh I'm trying to remember what the, what was it oh the um embassy yeah, yeah the, the yeah, the concert. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, tons of people got sick. Tons of people were, you know, um, bad headaches, uh, distorted vision, distorted vision. Um, you know, so I mean, a lot of the things are are very much overlapping. So if you if you if you want a simple a simple Google of uh, Havana syndrome, uh, read the the side effects that they list, and and those are things that you're going to hear quite readily. When it comes to people who have been in the area of, of Bigfoot, uh, so you know, infrasound I think is a very, very much a, um, you know, a lot of people consider it to be woo, but um, we're we're using it in in, in military mm-hmm. applications now, mm-hmm. so it, it's well, not. Well, lions even use it on their prey. Yeah. So, so the thing that's always bugged me about infrasound is that people act like it's not common in nature. Most super large mammals, anything over 500 pounds or so, use some form of infrasound. Uh, the ones we talked about on the show specifically were elephants and whales. Whales. Yeah. Elephants use it as a low base communication system to go through the ground uh, through you know dozens of miles. So one elephant can be talking and you can't hear it to another. Uh, but what that caused, there was actually a village in Africa that had all their, basically all their uh, elephant population wiped out for, you know, a couple hundred years due to conservation. They started coming back. Suicide, this is a tiny little village. A suicide rate jumped when the elephants came back yeah. and they couldn't figure out why. And eventually they figured out it was because the elephants were standing on both sides of the village talking to each other with, using these, in, uh, these in-ground infrastructures and it was driving people insane. People weren't People were getting higher rates of depression. It was the suicide rate. What, what was I can't remember now. It was like ten or fifteen times higher than it had ever been, because these people just weren't sleeping because these elephants. They didn't know because they didn't hear anything. Hmm. And then whales have such a powerful amount of infrasound they can use. Sperm whales can actually uh, liquefy your organs if you're too close to their yeah, the bulbous head. That That's actually yeah. huh. a magnifying uh, liquid. So it's basically a, starts back here with a really small drum and gets bigger, bigger, bigger. So it's a magnifier every time it goes through that. So it, whales are well, whales are really smart. So they take care not to use it around us when we swim with them. They're really cautious about it. But that's how sperm whales actually stun the giant squids they're hunting. 
And they'll, um, they'll even stun smaller whales and dolphins. Hmm. So infrasound is everywhere. I mean, yeah. everywhere in nature we see, especially with large mammals. And I know yeah. a lot of people consider the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot to be a large mammal. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that they'd have this some form of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the cloaking thing, uh, you know, I'm not trying to put any poo-poo on the cloaking thing. I mean, there we have we have creatures in our, our natural world that can cloak. I mean, you've got the, uh, I don't know the exact species, but the, the, uh, the octopus that, you know, can go up against a piece of coral and immediately yeah. change. That's you know, the cuttlefish. You've got, yep. you've got uh, chameleons. Cuttlefish. You've got chameleons yep. that can, you know, I saw a picture of one that almost exactly uh, made itself look like the wallpaper that it was it was <laughs> on the wall of. You know? I mean, yeah, why not? <clears throat> you know, we don't know what Bigfoot really can do, so yeah. maybe oh. he can. Who knows? And um, I forget the conference we were at, but a person was talking about how they were checking the hair. And they found that the hair with that they the hair samples they found had like tubulars inside of them. Mm-hmm. And the other hairs that they found were almost like transparent. And they were talking about the um what is that? The the polar, polar bear. bear? Yeah, yeah. polar bear. They almost they blend away their uh their edge lines using that. Mm-hmm. So they just look like big snowdrifts. Yeah. 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 And they said that the polar bear, the skin is black, but the hair looks white because of the way that the light goes into the these tubes in the hair. And they believe that Bigfoot might have that same thing where his hair, the way the light hits it, can cause him to look invisible. It was, mm. it was, it was a long, long speech about it, but it was so interesting. Nature, Another thing, nature I, is just as strange as the shit that we talk about on a weekly yeah. uh, basis. It really is. Nature is stranger. Yeah. <laughs> Look up Bob at Worms if you need proof of that. No, I don't like worms. <laughs> Keep your worms in your pants. <laughs> uh, but I've also heard uh, some people describe uh, Sasquatch having double coated fur, and that the oh. outer coat is that longer coat you see. And they actually have, well, a lot of mammals, like when you get goosebumps, that's actually the, the muscles for your hairs mm-hmm. raising. Uh, we have really short hair anymore, especially on our arms and legs, stuff like that. So you really don't see it move. And those muscles we have are really weak because we don't, we don't need to puff up to look bigger anymore. But if they have something like a double layered coat, uh, a lot of people report that the inside layer is actually the really dark layer. And the outer layer is that red or brown that a lot of people claim to see. But uh, I can't remember who we were listening to. One lady basically described how it just stepped in the shadow and kind of melted. And that could be just explained by them using those muscle fibers to raise the outer coat and let the inner coat shine through. That's effectively blending into the darker background and making it harder to see the outline. Our eyes are really programmed to find those outlines to see stuff. So when they blend, if you want to call it that, they you just your brain can't find it anymore. Sure. Well, nature's camouflage is, you know, so much far superior than anything that any of our militaries have come up with, um, you know, that we know of. Um, I mean, anybody who's deer hunted will know that 
you know, you can be sitting looking at a piece of property and then all of a sudden, oh shit, there's, there's a deer. It, you know, it, it came out, you never saw it and it's tan. It's tan. It doesn't have a bunch of different gradations of different colors and, and different, uh, uh, you know, camouflage, uh, outline, uh, to break up the, it's just tan and you can't see them. They can, they can get under your radar so easily, you know? So for, for some other living mammal, you know, I mean, a tiger, when you look at a tiger and you see all the stripes and everything, it's like, there's no way you couldn't see that coming yet. Put them in, put them in a forest, put them in a, in a jungle and you won't see them until it's too late. You know, so. in his natural habitat. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that Bigfoot's natural habitat's the woods. Mm-hmm. So he knows how to hide, you know? Yep. yep. So, Josh, um, Josh, when you're out in the field or any, anybody's out in the field, are you guys taking like, um, note of like, your body temperature, your heart rate, um, how like your body is in, in reacting to the environment. Uh, sometimes, uh, it, it depends on what's going on. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, you don't, you kind of, <laughs> right. Yeah. You're not whipping out your notebook to take notes. Yeah. Just curious. If Probably whipping would... out something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> take the opportunity when you have it. Had to go there. <laughs> Um, uh, one thing I do pay attention a lot to is, uh, is, uh, my anxiety, uh, how high it is. Mm-hmm. I do find, uh, in, in certain situations I could just be out in the field and for no reason I'll be, I'll feel highly anxious before something happens. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that means I'm more in tune to it or what. Um, and all of a sudden my, my sense of smell and my hearing heightens. Um, I'm able to hear things a lot better and my adrenaline starts rushing and it just comes out of nowhere. Um, and oh. then, uh, it happened Thanks. before my, before my sighting. Um, and I, you know, that's probably just, just natural instinct and my, you know, my body reacting to a change in the environment that I can't sense myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, the ability that we're even, I'm even able to do that. I'm sure other people are as well. You have some um, normal investigations. I can't tell you how many times I've like got chills, felt somebody standing next to me and, you know, like, like yeah. what happened with Joe and the black cross. <laughs> tell them what happened to you, Joe, at the black we were cross. Down in Pennsylvania by Butler, there's a cemetery that they call the black cross because when the immigrants passed away during the disease that they had, um, there was nowhere to bury them, and a farmer lent his land, and the only marker that they could make was a giant black cross out of railroad ties. Mm. And we were there, and we heard babies crying. We heard people in the woods. We knew that we felt like the trees were staring at us. Well... I was standing there and there was a stump next to me. And when I say stump, I'm talking like a, a four foot tall, four inch around stump. Mm-hmm. It turned into a guy coming out of the woods and just that fast. It was, he was there and it looked like he was lunging at me. Oh my and, um, and then he disappeared. Jesus. But you wow. know, while you're sitting there, all of a sudden you feel that electric, you know, in the air, 
And when you were talking about that, Josh, first thing that came to my mind was ultras or um, but it's the sound we were talking about. Infrasound. Infrasound, you know, coming up on you. But maybe that's the same thing when when these things are coming from a different dimension, like we were talking earlier, maybe it's that shift of energy that pops them into resist into our reality. Mm. And maybe it is that form of all or um I almost said ultrasound, but infrasound. The, the infrasound. You know, you know maybe that it is, is- that is one thing I use a lot when I'm out in the field. If I feel highly ancient in a, in a certain area, I study that area, and I tend to get really good activity. Mm. Um, you know, it, it goes away after I'm there long enough, so I know it does. Because um, I don't think of anything that makes me anxious. I'm out there. I enjoy the woods. I enjoy being mm-hmm. out in the woods. I've been out in the woods at night by myself being paced out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was scared, but freaking out about it ain't going to fix the situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're there doing it. You know, it's like these people that go ghost hunting, they're calling for the ghost, calling, come visit us, come visit us. And then when they see something, they run out of the house like a, you know. Yeah, yeah nothing, nothing frustrates me more than when watching these shows, when they go out there wanting to get that activity, something happens. Oh, we need to leave. That yeah. is the whole reason you're there. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I'll fix that. I don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I believe Makes- pretty much in all of it. It's just I experience stuff and I'm done with it. I'm happy not to have another one of those experiences in my yeah. life. Yeah. And, and I can respect that. I can understand. You know, Joe yeah. and Jen, with, with the type of investigations that you guys do, prim- primarily with, you know, hauntings and, and spirit type stuff, uh, you know, there's a there's a subset of... of um, uh, instrumentation that you guys use that is pretty much just used for that. And I'm surprised. I'm really surprised to be honest that you don't hear about more Bigfoot investigators using some of the, the equipment that you guys use like uh, EMF detectors. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I think, you know, if you're going to be going out, you should be taking, uh, you should be taking, like you said, taking a look at the uh, the atmosphere around you. You know what's going on electrically. What's going around in the in the in the area that you know? Are you having spikes in uh, electromagnetism? Are you having spikes in temperature? Are you having decreased uh, temperature? You know stuff like that. And that is something I do check when I'm out. It's EMF. Do you? And eighty percent of the time, it spikes. Really? When something oh my interesting 80 um, percent especially if it's something really close interesting. um now i don't know why i can't explain it mm-hmm. i just make note of it ah. and it's gotten to the point where it happens so much yeah. <laughs> I, I just expect it that's uh, it'll go off and be like all right either something's going to yell at us or so, we're going to hear something really loud and sure enough what the hell are you doing, Joe? Um, my doing his phone. My thingy that holds the phone up. The battery went dead. Why don't you use your other thing? Oh, sorry. It just went <laughs> yeah. Use your other thing. I don't know where my other thingy is. Oh, it's uh, over there. Look, 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 down. About. look down. You know, think about this. There's been so many accounts where people talk about they have a Bigfoot sighting. 
And then all of a sudden they're having UFO sightings. They're having mm-hmm. poltergeist activities in their house. They're seeing ghosts in their house. And it might all go back to that thing where we're popping the veil. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Well, my, my Bigfoot sighting, I didn't have a sighting, but I had an encounter. And it was on an island in um, Dale Hollow Lake down in Tennessee. It's an you say un- Dale Hollow? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So my sister and I, if you don't know, like it's a Siri is a giant lake and it has all these inlets and, and fingers you can go into and you park your houseboat in the little alcoves at night to shelter. So we pull in and we park and my sister and I get off the boat and everybody else stayed on the boat. Now this island has deer on it, but it doesn't have people. It's just, it's not something you can like get up on the islands. Like the shore is rocky, but there's a, you know, a graded drop. You couldn't get up there. We get off and threw a rock at us. It came arching out of the woods, and it was probably the size of a baseball. So nothing on the island has got a hand that could launch a rock like that. that remind you of? We hightailed it back to the boat. We're like, okay, we get it. Don't want us here. We get it. No sooner we get back on the boat, a huge lightning strike comes within 10 feet of the boat. Wow. It was so close and so loud. My cell phone went completely white, flew out of my hand, and I peed my pants. (laughs) Everybody on the boat literally almost fell over. I mean, it was so intense. But why did that random lightning strike happen right after we had an encounter? Or was it a warning to get off the island because the lightning was coming? Maybe. Maybe. You never know. But, but yeah, get... very interesting. I've been to Del Hollow a lot. Where I actually have a, mm-hmm. I have a trophy smallmouth on the wall in the other room from from Del Hollow. Oh, nice. So I was making sure you said Del Hollow. Yeah. So beautiful. It's an awesome place. Yeah, for sure. But um, you know, there is deer, so there's a food source. I don't know if they can swim. Has anybody had any reports of Bigfoot's like yeah. swimming? Yes. Some islands? Yeah. Okay. Lots. I just didn't know. So we actually had a guy on uh, about a month ago. Was that when Andrew was on? Yeah, a month or two. He was in North Carolina on a lake, and there were, he was fishing a lake with a bunch of alcoves, uh, like what you were in. Mm-hmm. And when he parked in this one certain alcove, not every time he parked in there, but every once in a while he'd park in there, and he would get – big rocks so right at the bow of his boat. They never hit his boat, but a warning. He'd go around the next corner to the next alcove and he'd hear big splashing and he'd hear stuff in the water. And then every once in a while, he'd try to sneak back to see what it was. And by the time he got back around the corner, he could just see the bank was all wet. So, and then there was a story. I don't know if I heard it on your show, Eric, or if I heard it somewhere else about the one on the Manistee River. With the rocks thrown in the alcove? Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I, I thought so. That was an awesome story, which always is that another similar thread yeah. to where it's you're in my spot. Yeah. It's what it seems like to me personally. It's just like you're in my spot. I want it, I want something right there. Right. And I need you to scoot away so I can get to that resource. 
Well, yeah, that, that was a really interesting night. Um, you know, we, we just went out on a kayak trip. We weren't, we weren't looking for Bigfoot. You know, I, I was very well aware that the, the man here on Manistee national forest had a multitude of sightings and, uh, um, you know, we were, we were three guys sitting at a fire at around 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. It was very dark. Um, and we heard three owls. One was directly across the, the river from us. One was back behind us. And then one was up river from us. And they would let out this, and it just didn't sound right. You know, it just sounded odd. And uh, it was always in the same. It was, it was the one across from us, then the one behind us, and then the one in front. One across, one behind, and so the one of the three guys, <clears throat> one of them got up and decided to turn in for the night, and the other gentleman and I, myself, we sat at the fire for a while, and after he left and went to bed, there were no more cow, there there were no more owl sounds, but off in the distance we heard whack, whack. We heard tree knocks, what we assumed were tree knocks. We heard it a couple of times. When when the owls were making their noise, there were three of them, and there just so happened to be three of us sitting at the fire. So if you would have been looking at our campsite right along the river, you would have saw three silhouettes. And then after the, the one guy went to bed, now we were hearing two tree knocks repeatedly. One, two, one, two, one, two. Now you got two guys sitting at the fire, so there's only two silhouettes there. So I, I started thinking to myself, is, is this a method for counting? Is this a way of letting, letting the area know that now there's two of them? You know? And then when I went to finally get in my cot or into my uh, hammock, um, you know, yeah, I'm just I'm moving for a sec. There was, you know, a a fairly substantial amount of noise from the, the water rushing by. So for me to think that a fish would jump to, to get a insect or whatever off the, the top of the water, I don't know that you would have really heard that, you know, mm-hmm. a, a fish Probably not over the that. but I'm laying in my hammock and, and I'm hearing sploosh, sploosh. You know, and it's got that deep drum sound to it when it hits that, that boom before you get the splash. And it's like, that sounds like freaking, you know, like somebody throwing a pretty decent sized rock into a body mm-hmm. of water. That's exactly what it sounded like, you know? So, I, I mean, I never had any sightings. I didn't know. Um, my, my anxiety <laughs> back to what you were talking about, Josh, my anxiety was so high at that point that I literally, and there was a multitude of uh, equipment failures uh, because I was not prepared. Um, So that, that also was part of it. But, you know, I, I really didn't get to sleep until the crack of dawn. I, I I just, Mm. I couldn't fall asleep. And Mm. it wasn't until I finally started to see daybreak starting, I was able to finally get some sleep and maybe got 45 minutes to an hour before it started raining and then I realized that my uh, my rain tarp was, you know, about 
three feet shorter than my body. And that was a lot of unusual, a lot of unusual things that were happening. And, you know, it, it wasn't until quite some time later when I started thinking about it. And it's like, man, you know, all this stuff kind of, kind of lines up with, with other things you hear. Could it have been other things? Absolutely. Could have been three owls that, you know, we're looking to, to have a menage a trois of owl out there in the woods, you know, uh, you know, it happens. I don't know. So that's actually not the story I was thinking about, but uh, I was thinking about, I swear, I don't know. I thought it was your show, but the guy was on the Manistee river during the salmon run. And it wouldn't be me then. They were, uh, I thought it was one of the guys you interviewed, but I must, I get confused so easily. You know me. doesn't ring a bell. But, uh, so a guy was fishing the salmon run. They were new to it. Uh, it was basically three generations, a uh, grandpa, dad, son. Um, and I, I know Eric knows that the Manistee river is anybody else familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So it's pretty, yeah, it's yeah. pretty, you know, pretty wooded, a pretty large I river. I fished it pretty, during the salmon run. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, this was a little bit down from Tippy Dam. Uh, we fish it every year. Which happens but, to be um, where my son had that weird experience when they rented the mm-hmm. cabin right by Tippy mm-hmm. Dam. There's a lot of weird stuff happens there. But these guys got in late one night, and they were going to fish it at night, which can be, you know, that's your own risk kind of deal. You do, do what you want. But what the salmon will do at night is they'll pull into these little, like, kind of like alcoves, kind of like little just offshoots on the river that are shallower they'll rest because they're going to be spawning during the day uh so these guys were like well we're just going to go park there it's already late at night uh we're just going to take the boat up into there and we'll sit and see if we can catch a salmon or two tonight well they do and they're just sitting there and they hear what they assume is a salmon splash uh like 30 yards from the boat and then it's closer and it's closer and then a massive splash right beside the boat and they don't have any lights on because the salmon will pull away from the boat if you have all these bright lights you're shining into the water and stuff like that. These fish aren't really there for feeding. They're there for reproduction, so they'll get spooked pretty easy. Uh, so then they're like, okay, that was, too big to be a, that was too big to be a salmon. So they turn on all their lights, and they're just kind of sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And this, this giant chunk of asphalt from the road on top of the, the hillside comes flying and lands right beside the boat. Right off, you know, two foot off the boat. And they all went together. They're like, let's get out of here. So they go back to the, uh, I know you guys probably know the Tippy Dam camping areas and stuff like that where the salmon fishermen all tent camp and stuff. So they go back to camp and they're really shaken up. And they, I think it was the son, the, the grandson, so the youngest man there, uh, kind of said something to one of the other guys that were in the, the group camp. They're like, yeah, there's a reason we don't go. The, you notice how you were the only boat in that cove that night? There's a reason everybody avoids that. Something <laughs> likes to use that spot. Wow. And it just seems it was a shallow and there was salmon available. So it seems again to be like, hey, you're sitting on top of a resource that I'm planning on using. I need you to scoot on down. <laughs> wow. Like that, uh, like the ghost from the movie Ghost when they get on the train. He's like, get off oh, my yeah. train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same deal. Same thing. Or when you're in a haunted house and you hear, get out. <laughs> I would. It's not fun. Yeah, I would. I would. You I'd did. be like, all right, I'm packing up, sir. <laughs> no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I just ran. 
All right. Well, we're an hour and a half in. Uh, I think it's a good good time to end the show. Uh, if everyone wants to uh, start and uh, tell everybody where they can find your podcast, uh, we'll start with uh, Cryptids of the Corn. All right, guys. Uh, we're available on pretty much every podcast, you know, all your podcast platforms, especially all your big ones. Uh, our, we have a Facebook group that we run off the page. We have a lot of fun there. There's always a lot of activity. I know we have a couple of, I was a biologist for a long time, but we have a couple other biologists in the group that are really into this stuff. Part of it. Uh, you know, how, it's, can, it's, how can you be a biologist for a long time? You're like 12 years old. I know. <laughs> proportionally, proportionally. I was one for about four years until I, I tore my knee out. So I just had to give it up. I was a field, I was a field guy. Uh, but yeah, we say we're, we're uh, scientific and magical thinking meat, but that's, like I said, we're available on all the podcast apps and Facebook is our best way. Yep. Well put. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, two, two, two paranormal. Well, like you said, we're available everywhere you can get your podcast from. And, you know, you guys are on the big three, big three also. iHeartRadio, um, Pandora, everywhere, really. The best thing to do if you're interested in the show, just type in 222 Paranormal Podcast in your podcast app and it'll show up. You know, awesome. plus we have the website and the Facebook pages and stuff like that, too, that they can go to. All right, Eric. All right, it's Uncomfortable Podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at podcast or all at uh, Uncomfortable Podcast Six Five. Um, I'm available on all the all the popular podcast apps. Uh, I think there's God. I think there's 37 of them now that uh, we're available <laughs> on, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Overcast, everything, every cast you can cast. So, um, <laughs> if you guys, uh, if you guys want to get in touch with me directly and uh, relay some information or stories to me, uh, you can contact me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. And uh, September 10th, Bigfoot and Brews, Dwajak, Michigan. Woo-hoo! Go to bigfootandbrews.com. All the information's there. Get your tickets. They're going quick. It's going to be a nice, intimate uh, day with uh, some great speakers, including Ron Moorhead. And then, most importantly, coming up in, what, just about two weeks, uh, at the end of the month, on July 30th, everybody head over to Michigan Bigfoot Conference, or actually over to Hide and Seek Archives, where you can purchase your tickets if there is any left. Uh, Josh says they're going quick, so better get on it. Um, unless you want standing room only when you get there and you buy at the door. But that's going to be a great show. It's going to be all day long, man. So pack a lunch because uh, we're going to be there for a while. And remember, after after standing room only, it's look in the window only tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. head, head over to uh, Michigan uh, Bigfoot Conference because if you guys want to touch base with any of us, we'll all be there. And uh, we'll be going to be supporting our shows and talking to all you wonderful people out there about your experiences. All right. Thank you everybody for watching. Thanks guys. Good to see everybody again. Yes. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. 
Thank you for having yep. us. Yep, thank you. Great time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All at Uncomfortable Podcast. And until next week, my friends, stay uncomfortable. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.